Welcome, everyone, to the pre-national signing day edition of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew Armand here, of course, with my two compadres, as always, Thomas the Wizard Watts, uh, behind the curtain, producing our show in the port city of Mobile, and, of course, William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a national champion and key member and insider for the University of Alabama football program. Less than 24 hours away until the madness known as National Signing Day. The early signing period starts. Uh, is uh, college football recruiting? It's not really changed. It's not. There, there, there's still some buildup on National Signing Day in February, uh, in, in, 2000, in 2020. But most of it now comes down to the early signing period in December. And uh, we're going to talk some Alabama football recruiting tonight. William, uh, welcome back to the show. Good evening. Uh, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing good. I uh, just got out of the sauna for about 30 minutes, so I'm uh, <clears throat> a little drained. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and uh, probably feeling pretty warm. And uh, there, yeah, it's, of course, uh, another chilly evening after the, the craziness and the weather. Um, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the folks out in Town Creek. I know they lost a couple of people uh, to that weather, the uh, tornado uh, that uh, blew through yesterday. Luckily, we didn't get much of it uh, in the, the city of Huntsville, so we avoided most of that, no question about it. Uh, but I know that uh, they had uh, that there was some severe weather out in the Town Creek area. And again, our thoughts and prayers are go out to the folks out in that community. Uh, Thomas, uh, welcome back to the show, man. I know, uh, as you've uh, told me many times, you follow recruiting, but it's not something that uh, you study each and every day. But I know uh, it's going to be a big day for Alabama tomorrow, and uh, certainly. And I guess some of the other big news is we we now we now basically know how the roster is going to look for the uh, Citrus Bowl, and as expected, Terrell Lewis and Trevon Diggs has been kind of the rumor that they weren't going to play in the game. Uh, Jerry Judy's going to play everybody else, so uh, Michigan's not going to have anybody to sit out. So at least we know what the matchup is now, and. Disappointed that the two guys aren't going to play, but uh, that's kind of the the uh, climate you have this day and time. Well, it, it, you're not wrong there, and I, I I guess I can understand to a certain extent a player wanting to protect themselves with an injury history. Uh, in these two specific cases, I wonder how many reps. If you can put elite reps on tape, you need them. But whatever. If you want to talk about who, who Alabama is going to be seeing when it comes to Michigan, you have to sort of wonder, even though I was down on this team, and in a lot of ways I still am, as to if we sort of have another 49-7 Michigan State walloping coming. Because, you know, it's mock draft season. It's in full swing. And everybody I've seen anywhere from 4 to 10 Alabama players in the first round. Now, I lean more towards the four there, but anyway, that's much. That's how much talent's on this football team. So, you know, it's, that's kind of cool looking at the matchup for the Citrus Bowl. And, you know, recruiting, uh, my, my attitude for almost a decade now has been I refuse to get worried about what an 18-year-old is going to do. It's just down that path lies madness. If you want to come to Alabama and you want to play well, I will cheer for you. If you want to go to... Clemson or LSU or Georgia or Auburn or anywhere else. I don't wish ill upon you. I just hope Alabama beats you by 50. 
and that's kind of my attitude going into the signing day, Drew. But I will say, and I kind of want your read on this too, because you're much more plugged in on the recruiting side than I am. It feels like, you know, Alabama didn't make the SEC championship, and so the staff went kind of recruiting crazy. And from an outsider's perspective, it feels like Alabama has some pretty solid momentum going into this early signing period. Is that, you know, a bridge too far? Am I, am I, am I, are my crimson-colored glasses just a little too crimson with that, uh, that look, Drew? Well, I mean, I think that certainly uh, Alabama's continuing to recruit at a very high level. Uh, certainly, I know that there was some worry, uh, you know, uh, about Georgia and what they've been doing. And then, of course, LSU. And they're both having great classes, and especially LSU. But that they're 13-0, and and they're kind of flying high right now. Um, and certainly, I know that Phillip Webb has been a pressure point. And I, I, right now, if I had to say, I mean, we're, we're, we're less than, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12 hours away from everything starting, but I would still lean toward Phillip Webb going to LSU. But Alabama's still got a really good outside linebacker class sign. I mean, really, in, in the inside backers with DeMoye Kennedy, Jackson, Bratton, I think it's still the best linebacker group in the country. It, it would almost be, if they signed Phillip Webb, it would be like when they got Rashawn Evans on signing day several years back. He went on to become a first-round draft choice, choosing Alabama over Auburn. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I just think overall that the staff has hit it hard. I mean, I think they've done a good job. Uh, they've got a chance to really what this is about, and I'll bring William into the conversation. This is about keeping what you got, and you don't want to lose some guys like a Tim Smith late. You want to keep uh, you know, who you've got all the hay in the barn, and then maybe add a piece or two. I mean, I've been asked this question 50 times about surprises. I do think there's something going on, but not really sure what's going to happen, honestly. And I'll just be blunt about that. There's, there's a lot. There, there's, it's been really quiet uh, as far as information being out there, at least rock solid stuff. Uh, but I still think Alabama's going to have a very good class. I think it's going to be a top three group no matter what. I think LSU and Clemson are the other two places to watch it. Clemson historically has recruited in the top ten, but not had the top class in the country. But they're coming off a of 15 and 0 national championship season. They're 13 and 0 right now in the college football playoff. So we'll see. Uh, but William, I was going to bring you back in. Right now, Alabama looks like they're in pretty solid shape. I know we still think there's going to be some staff movement after the early signing period, but right now they just need to hold on to what they got. Yeah, and you know the the one guy that that really matters. Well, there's 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 two, um, uh, you know, and I, I probably only got a chance to watch fifteen plays. Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit baffled as to all the excitement. I guess. I mean, I, I guess I just don't see a franchise running back out of this Jace McClellan. I think he's a very good running back, but. I'd, I'd love to see some laser time, top end 40 speed um, times on him because he, he, he looks like a really good downhill running back, but I just don't see game changer. Certainly not in the same, you know, type of film or uh, the expectations that I saw last year out of Trey Sanders. Um, you know, like I said, that's just 15 plays, and that's that might be. It might be more like 12, but I want to spend a little bit more time looking at that. But, you know, the one that nobody's talking about 
that is a slam dunk, three and done first round draft pick is Will Anderson. Um, that that guy's got some of the most violent, quick twitch, sudden take um, that that I've seen in a long time, especially for somebody that's not ranked any higher than he is. Um, you know that 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 that's a guy right there that um, you, you better go to bed tonight and pray that they hang on to. Yeah, he, he's an outstanding prospect. I, I I watched some of his film, and he's from uh, you know uh, Hampton, Georgia, and uh, that's really a big miss for Kirby. Uh, should uh, the kid go ahead and sign with Alabama like everyone expects? Um, but the funny thing about that story, William, is I don't think Georgia was ever really a factor in that kid's recruitment. I think Alabama jumped on him, realized how good he was, and and got him committed. And a lot of times, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like a Justin a Bogey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it's interesting because uh, a lot of times when a kid commits early, a fan base kind of they they focus on the guys that aren't committed, and they don't really uh, you know pay the, the as much attention as they should to how good a kid is. But you're completely correct. I think whether Will Anderson grows into a defensive end or or whether he ends up an outside linebacker, I don't think there's any question. Uh, that uh, he's a big time uh, yeah, addition to the class and a big time player. I mean, and he's been committed for a long time, never wavered. I think he's going to be a big part of that. And when you think about Quandarius Robinson from, uh, you know, I know from Jackson Owen, he didn't play a lot this year due to getting injured and having a high ankle sprain. But I know he's a big time talent. Most feel like when he's healthy, he's the best prospect in the state. And if he's not, then it could be Demoye Kennedy. Uh, from Theodore, and I know there were some nerves about LSU uh, putting on some pressure for that kid uh, and really making people, uh, you know, uh, nervous, uh, you know, about LSU coming in there because he had considered LSU heavily before committing to Alabama, but he comes from C.J. Mosley's high school. Looks like Alabama's going to hold on to him, so we'll see. But, uh, I mean, uh, this linebacker class, I personally, William, I, I know I've seen him play in person at least three times. I'm really high on on uh, middle linebacker Jackson Bratton from Muscle Shoals, too. I think, I mean, I'll personally tell you, I feel like if he was African-American, there'd be a lot of people that were higher on him because he's a white linebacker. <laughs> he's he's kind of he's like he's, he's kind of like a guy, when you think about it, he's kind of like uh, uh, Bigfoot. You don't see too many white linebackers anymore, and so – I think in some ways that's used against him, the color of his skin. But I think he's a big-time athlete. His dad was a great athlete. And I think – well, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to start as a freshman. I just think he's got a chance to be a good player down the road. I, I think he's a better prospect than Keith Holcomb, who had some moments at Alabama. Uh, but I really think that uh, this linebacker class as a whole has got a chance to be special. Yeah, don't don't start bringing up Keith Holt when people will start having nightmares about the Mississippi State game too. Yeah, ago. right. Um, I don't know what moments you were talking about, but that's the ones I remember. <laughs> but yes. uh, I, I, you know, without having any senior film to look at on Robinson and, and having a whole lot to look at on Kennedy, I mean, I I'd be hard pressed to put Robinson above Kennedy as the best player in the state. I think this kid. Um, is a lot like Will Anderson. He's very underrated, um, had a great senior year. Uh, I think, you know, the, the 
the comparison to maybe the finished product of C.J. Mosley is probably a good one. I mean, he's he's probably going to be further along um, physically than C.J. was. I think a lot of people uh, never even realized that when he started playing as a true freshman, he only weighed 208 pounds. Right. And, uh, you know, was beat up and, and banged up as well. So, um, and that might have been why he was banged up. It's only 208 pounds playing linebacker in the SEC. But there's a lot of really good players, um, you know, in this class. I think there's some other ones that I'm still on the fence on. You know, I, I question, you know, I, I question whether or not the Cohen kid that just flipped from Auburn in the last week, uh, you know, maybe a right tackle. I don't see left tackle in him at this point. Um, but, you know, certainly a very good prospect. Um, you know, obviously the the one that gets all the the glitz and glamour and, and you know talked about probably for good reason is the you know, the five star quarterback Bryce Young. I mean, there, there's some really really good players in this class scattered about. I, you know, I, I think in a lot of cases, uh, you know, people overlook the the homegrown running back prospect here in Birmingham over at Hueytown High School. Roydell Williams, I think, has a chance to be you know, a really good, you know, three-down SEC running back. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they, they just get so stargazing happy and they used to seeing that number one class. But, you know, not all number one classes um, are created equally and there's really such a minute, fine-line difference between the number one class and the number three class. You know, I'd rather see position group needs being met, which they're certainly going to do in this class, you know, right off the bat at the, the linebacker um, positions, both outside and inside. Um, and I think that's probably going to be one of the most interesting storylines to uh, keep up with once this 2020 class starts, you know, infiltrating the, the, the campus of Tuscaloosa, which ones end up at outside and which ones migrate inside. But, you know, there's, there's some really, really good, um, you know, guys that I think that can, um, you know, help this class and the program and, and contribute early. Um, you know, that's you know, one guy that, that I was really expecting to have a bigger impact this year that continues to be hobbled by, you know, a knee injury that I'm starting to wonder is more serious than was first, you know, let on is, you know, D.J. Dale. Yeah. He was a guy that just, you know, was, was providing one wow moment after another in the spring and fall camp and, you know, just, just never got a chance to show it during the season because of his knee. So, um, and, and, you know, those, you know, some of those other guys, and I think we'll, we will probably, um, might end up seeing a, a, a staff change at that position group because of this. You know, I, you, you never really saw Byron Young or, um, Justin Abogby you know, really take that next leap forward in their development, you know, for two guys that have played quite a bit, um, you know, throughout the course of the season. I know Abogby had an injury early in the season. Um, but, you know, that, that, that'll that answer itself probably by the time, you know, spring practice starts to see whether or not they've got a new position coach. But, I, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff. You know, and still, I mean, tomorrow's not the end of this. There's still yeah. five or six guys that are going to factor in, you know, when the real national signing day rolls around in February. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, what, what could happen in February. It looks like, William, that Damian George, as of now, is going to sign uh, tomorrow. But there's three other guys that aren't. Jamil Burroughs and, and Javon Baker, both from McEachern High School in Georgia. And then there, uh, there are, it doesn't sound like Jason Jones is going to sign. A lot of questions about whether Jones ends up in the recruiting class or not. Uh, could gray shirt, blue shirt, but uh, my prediction is he probably won't end up signing. Uh, the other two uh, have academic concerns that Alabama's monitoring very closely. So, But I think it's also leaving Alabama some flexibility, William, because as you mentioned, that there are going to be some key targets that do not sign uh, as far as tomorrow. Maybe a Damian Washington, or excuse me, a Darnell Washington uh, tied in. Definitely a Raheem Jarrett uh, from St. John College High School in Baltimore, Maryland. He's not going to sign. Uh, and then there's uh, an- another defensive lineman that they've kind of found late, Princely U. I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm just going to go with uh, the abbreviation uh, from Maynard, Texas. I know he's a guy that he's 263 pounds, six foot four. He, he looks like almost another Quinn Williams that could gain 30 pounds and be very disruptive and quick defensive lineman. So he's someone else I think they'll look at. And McKinley Jackson, the best prospect in Mississippi as well. So, William, I think they're going to leave themselves some flexibility in order to maybe have maybe three spots left. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I think that's a smart play. Um, you know, there's always guys that, you know, kind of don't come onto the scene until, you know, they're late in their senior year and, you know, kind of, you know, they missed the first go around through the evaluation program, you know, process. I don't think there's a better example of that than your boy Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to have a couple of cards in your back pockets you can pull out and use if you need them. And, uh, you know, especially at, at, you know, positions where, you know, the running back position, um, you know, there's such a high rate of injuries there. They always need defensive linemen. I mean, um, you know, now, especially, you know, with the edge rushing situation playing out the way that it is. I mean, um, you know, you're going to lose uh, Terrell Lewis. Um, you know, Chris Allen's been slow to develop. Um, so, you know, you know, then, then, you know, you lose Antonio Alfano from the D-line class. You lost Anoma from the edge rushing side. So, you know, they got some holes to fill. Yeah, it, they really do. And uh, I, and it's interesting that you mentioned Ayabi Anoma and Antonio Alfano and guys that have kind of washed out of the program. Of course, they've also had some issues with discipline with Scooby Carter, who is now out of the transfer portal and looks like he may stay at the University of Alabama. But, William, I think a lot of uh, those character concerns of those young men had to do with them passing on Zach Evans from uh, Glenn and North Shore in Houston. They're going to play for a state championship against uh, uh, Duncanville this Saturday. But I think uh, them them passing on him had a lot to do with some of his character concerns. And I'm hearing, uh, even as late as tonight, they're not sure what, what he's going to do. I would probably, uh, you know, predict that he signs with Texas A&M, or excuse me, I'm sorry, LSU over Texas A&M, but I still don't think he's 100% decided. Alabama and Georgia both kind of backed off of him, and that's why Alabama ended up getting involved with Jace McClellan. Uh, but I think Nick Saban's trying to – I know at times he's, uh, he's always worried just about the talent, 
and maybe that he could fix a kid. I, I think a few of these, uh, you know, washouts the last couple of years has made he and the staff a little more wary of that kind of thing. Yeah, and, you know, Thomas and I talked about this uh, last week when you were um, MIA. Um, I know you had to work, but um, I think that's a much, much tougher dynamic to manage these days. I certainly think it's something that Nick Saban is in the process of, you know, reevaluating the the types of character traits that they look at in kids that they bring into the program. I think that, uh, you know, both Anoma and Alfano um, probably have a lot to do with this, but it's not all on them. I, you know, I, there's been some whispers that there were more, you know, quote-unquote turds on this year's team than in years past, and, and maybe not the – upper-class leadership that you need to kind of weed those type of, uh, you know, problems out. You know, I think it's getting to be more and more difficult to have, you know, that core group of alpha guys that that kind of, you know, take care of that stuff in the locker room. You know, the the dynamic that these kids go through now of, you know, getting – you know, started so early in the recruiting process, especially for the elite high-profile guys, um, you know, sometimes in the in, in junior high, certainly by the time they're in the ninth grade, and, you know, the, 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 the thought process and the quick path that they want to take, the quicker I can get on the field, the quicker I can get to the NFL and get paid. Um, you know, I, I really don't know how, especially at a school that's kind of popularized that, that method, and that M.O., I mean, I, I just don't know how Nick Saban manages that from the standpoint of, you know, you've got so many kids that come in with that expectation, but at the same time they've still got to learn the the price and the process that it takes to get on the field early. Are they physically ready? Are they mentally ready? Because you kind of have to be both. And, um, you know, I, I think a guy that because I've heard, you know, coaches at the SEC level complain about this over the last 10 years over and over again. And, and you know, I, I think the, um, you know, the, the best example I can give is Marlon Humphrey. You know, he, he didn't get on the field his first year because he physically wasn't ready. You know, his second year he did, but he wasn't quite a finished product yet. You know, the third year, um, you know, he put it all together, had, you know, an outstanding season, and poof, he's gone. And, uh, you know, that, that dynamic, I think, from managing a depth chart, from managing a, you know, a position grouping room to, you know, trying to figure out, you know, hey, you know, maybe this guy just had a bad home life, you know, a la, you know, Reuben Foster, but if he gets into the structure of the program, um and, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, Reuben Foster, Rolando McLean, you see what happens as soon as they get away from the structure of the program. They they have problems. So I, I don't know how you manage that. I don't know what the answer is. You know, do you go out and find, you know, new mental coaches and, and redo the psych evaluation that they go through? But it, it, it's a non, you know, it, it's a it's an issue that's not going away anytime soon, and I don't know what the best solution is. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, uh, it's hard to balance and, you know, sometimes I guess that's part of the, one of the things I don't like about recruiting, all this attention and as Coach Saban would call it, positive gratification these kids get and, uh, and being told they're five stars and should be starting as freshmen. 
uh, it's almost like you you almost have to test uh, you know them from a mental standpoint uh, and 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 kind of because that's you know they physically have a lot of talent and ability, but a lot of times what makes or breaks these careers, William, is how they approach everything from a mental standpoint. Yeah, it is, and you know I've I've spent a lot of time you know over the last you know I guess. 10, 15 years thinking about that, trying to put myself, you know, back when I was 16, 17 years old and first started. And I mean, basically 90% of my recruiting contact was with the actual, you know, college coaches that were recruiting me. I mean, I think, you know, I had Forrest Davis, Tom Lemming, uh, Alan Wallace was super prep, maybe a Max M finger, um, but, you know, there, there was no Internet. There wasn't three people from each, you know, team site, website calling, or, you know, there wasn't social media. I mean, you know, if they couldn't get you on the telephone, you know, that was it. And, uh, you know, the college coaches the same way. I mean, you, 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 uh, you know, you, you got a freaking Western Union telegram on Wednesday or Thursday inviting you to a freaking game on Saturday. That's, you know, that sound when I say that, I'm like, man, that was the dark ages. But, that's just how much different it is now um, versus, uh, you know, what it was like in the late 80s. And I, I can't imagine the kind of pressure. You know, there, there wasn't, you know, I mean, I might have gotten a handful of phone calls from Alabama and Auburn, you know, boosters, you know, trying to sway my decision or something like that. But, you know, there was no Twitter. There wasn't any Instagram. There wasn't Facebook, cell phones. So, you know, I, I can't imagine – um, you know, and I think one of the biggest um, downsides to all this is, is you know, it's it's filtered upwards, I guess, to, you know, the high school coaches becoming a deciding factor. Um, you know, the parents have, you know, in a lot of cases turned into helicopter parents, and they want to be in the, the spotlight as well. And, you know, you hear all these stories about mom wants this school, dad wants that school, the girlfriend's family wants another school. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know how some of these kids, you know, know whether to shit or go blind at times. I mean, it, it's an, un, an enormous amount of pressure, you know, to put on a 17-, 18-year-old kid that's trying to make a decision um, that's going to have an impact on their lives for, for the rest of their lives. And, and you know, uh, while balancing their high school work, hell, most of them now are taking college courses while they're still in high school. Um, you know, it, it's amazing to me the the types of pressures and, and uh, influences that these kids have to juggle in their daily lives. Yeah, I mean, it's it really is. It's pretty crazy, the whole process. And so, uh, and William, I, I guess uh, – before we talk more about the recruiting class, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the bowl game and uh, the matchup with Michigan and Alabama having most of the squad, uh, you know, uh, going to take part. Terrell Lewis, a lot of injury history there. But, of course, the thing that kind of mystifies you is he's going to take part in the senior bowl. Of course, we understand there's every NFL team going to be represented that week in Mobile and then at the game. Uh, but he's not going to take place or take up part in the game, neither is a Trevon Diggs. Of course, this opens the door. Uh, you mentioned one guy already who has not done a lot so far in two years at Alabama, but it gives Chris Allen more than likely a chance to be in that starting lineup next to Anthony Jennings. And 
Jennings will be playing in his last game, but and Chris Allen could use this as a springboard. And then corner-wise, no Trevon Diggs. The first inclination would be maybe Josh Job having a chance to have a good month of preparation and then play in the game. But your thoughts uh, on the uh, what the Citrus Bowl and uh, Alabama facing Michigan? Well, I'll be interested to see if, if, if Josh Job has dug himself out of the proverbial doghouse and, <laughs> and has an idea. I would, I would agree. I mean, if he hadn't have had a, a disastrous fall, um, yeah, you know, off the off the field. Um, yeah, that's one of the reasons why you haven't seen him play more this season. I, I, I'd actually thought he was, you know, there was some type of injury situation behind the scenes, but have since found out that's not the case. Um, you know, and if it's not Josh Job, who in the hell is it going to be? True. Um, I really haven't had a chance to, uh, you know, dig into Michigan yet. I'll probably, you know, start looking at that more next week when I'm I'm off work for a week. But um, you, you know, I, I think it's going to be. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Thomas and I talked about this a little bit last week. I mean, other than Ohio State, and you saw how that turned out. I don't think, you know, this is probably going to be the, um, you know, probably maybe the, the second best or, or the best, you know, talent pool um, that Michigan has seen all year long for sure. Certainly they're not used to seeing big people move on both sides of the line of scrimmage like they're going to see Alabama's big people move. Um, you know, if, if they're relatively healthy. Um, you know, I mean, Shea Patterson's hit or miss. Um, you know, their wide receivers don't really concern me. I mean, they're they're more Clemson-like, I guess, than, you know, they, they certainly don't have, you know, three that if you take one wrong step, you know, there, there's really not a guy like Ruggs, uh, well, four of them now that, that Judy's playing, um, that it can be by you in the blink of an eye and it's over with, but um, yeah, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, you know, can Mac Jones build on his uh, second half that he had versus Auburn? Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see Najee Harris play, and I think he's certainly a guy that can benefit from another monster game like he had throughout the course of the month of November. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I like, since Thomas and I talked last week, I mean, I really like the way it seems like that locker room has tightened up a little bit. It seems like they're kind of circling the wagons. The the chemistry seems to be, you know, kind of starting to come together. Um, you know, Thomas and I spent a lot of time talking last week about, you know, is this going to be an Oklahoma or a Utah-type shit show? Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that certainly this Michigan team is going to be putting the same type of talent on the field that that Oklahoma team did in 2013, I guess it was. Um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, Jim Harbaugh is trying to get out of the dark ages on the offensive side of the football. I think Josh Gaddis has finally got him, you know, incorporating some spread principles into his, you know, let's, let's run it off tackle on third and eight or throw a, a dump pass to the tight end, you know, that he tried to bring with him from Stanford. But, um, you know, they've got a great, uh, uh, defensive coordinator and old man Brown. Um, uh, but, you know, you don't see those guys in that front seven like they've had probably up until this season. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, you know, if things go some, you know, go the right way, and Alabama has a good month of bowl prep, um, 
you know, I, I think Alabama's got a chance to maybe make a statement in this game. And I didn't feel that way this time last week when Thomas and I talked. Yeah, and uh, Thomas, I know you're, uh, you know, uh, producing back in Mobile, but uh, it's interesting that uh, that, uh, that 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 most of the squad is going to play. Uh, you know, because there was all kind of rumors that eight to ten guys would sit out. They haven't done that. We've heard behind the scenes Nick Saban and and Scott Cochran have been imploring the players to finish strong and that they would uh, that the, and to play in the bowl game. I know 2010 has been brought up quite a bit. I know Michigan's super fired up for this. They want to make a statement. Jim Harbaugh didn't have a lot of signature wins, uh, but certainly, and I know Josh Gaddis would like to get back at his old boss, but uh, there would be nothing that I would that I would like to do, though, than to embarrass Michigan because I'm no huge Wolverine as an admirer, as everyone knows. And Josh Gaddis did a good job at Alabama while he was here, but didn't like the way that whole situation, uh, you know, ended and the way he left. Well, I'm really with William on this in terms of coming out of the Iron Bowl. It was sort of a continu- it actually what sort of it was a continuation of Alabama gets into a big game, they sort of fart around for a quarter or they fart around for a half, and they can't close the deal. There's not a lot of edge. There's not a lot of fire. It's like everybody's terrified of making a mistake, and at least, particularly along the defensive side of the ball, nobody really wanted to be there. That was the impression coming out of big games. I'm very surprised that the number of at the number of players that want to play in the Citrus Bowl, and mm. what we're really talking about here, you know, Nick Saban had the phrase "Bama Factor," and it never materialized this past year. It's got to come back at some point if Alabama's going to take on the LSUs and the Clemsons and the Georgias and the Ohio States because those teams are not going to magically go away. And, you know, how do you rank teams overall, you know, next year? You know, you look forward to next year. Alabama's at worst top seven, eight, but I don't think you can say they're going to be a preseason number one. And there are going to be valid reasons for that. So, you know, that's what I really want to see. That's what I've been clamoring for for the better part of a year and a half. But overall, it's still, I'm in that mode of the team has to show me something. And Michigan is a big enough game, but Alabama still should have a decided talent advantage at most key positions that if Alabama comes out and executes at a level we saw you know, even if it's just Mac Jones minus two pick sixes in the Iron Bowl, if that Mac Jones shows up, and he, and he, can, he doesn't throw the pick sixes, I mean. If that Mac Jones shows up, Alabama could win by three or four touchdowns really, really easy. Michigan has some real bad personnel deficiencies for what Alabama wants to do along their front. Their front's undersized. Um, one of the most noticeable things from the Ohio State-Michigan game was the fact that the Ohio State offensive line was really able to lean on the, the smaller Michigan front. Uh, does Don Brown decide to start slanting or something like that, try and slow down and mess up the timing of the Alabama offense? It's a possibility, but if Alabama is able to line up and just start swinging at Michigan, the game's going to get ugly really fast because Ohio State's already done it once. 
and Alabama, particularly on the perimeter, is just more talented than anything that Michigan has seen. So it could be one of those games that as the interior of the defense collapse, it destroys the exterior as well. But, I mean, overall, again, Alabama has to show me something. Like, if we wake up January the 2nd and I'm texting you and William about doing the next episode of BAM's radio and I'm excited as I'll get out because the score was 45 to 10, then that's what I'm, that, that would be the sort of statement. If we, if we wake up January the 2nd and it's, you know, Michigan 31-21 or Alabama 27-24 having to score 14 points in the fourth quarter to come back, that's a whole different ball game. So, you know, the signs are encouraging. The recruiting successes are starting to build positive momentum. Or what should be a successful early signing period has really pushed momentum back in a positive direction. The players that I legitimately thought would never don a crimson uniform again playing is putting Alabama into another more building up positive momentum. But until you show me something on the field, I'm going to be skeptical. But we'll see. You know, all signs point to something really, really cool happening in about two weeks, Drew. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. A very good chance I'm going to partake in my first bowl trip, at least non-playoff wise. I I did cover the Peach Bowl in 2016 when uh, Alabama beat Washington uh, in Atlanta. I'm probably going to make the trip uh, to Orlando to cover the Citrus Bowl. And uh, certainly I think Alabama, you know, uh, it's a chance for some of these guys to go out. Uh, you know, We still think several are going to turn pro. Uh, I just finally saw a tweet that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, he's not getting a ton of love in the mock drafts, but as Coach Saban said, Yesterday, William, in the press conference, mock drafts are about worthless. Uh, they're interesting for conversation, but some of them make you shake your head. I know Jedrick Wills has been in some mock drafts in the first round, but a lot he has not. But uh, I read a tweet uh, from uh, a football guy today. He said, well, I just started studying it, uh, Jedrick Wills, but I think the more people take a look at this guy, the more his stock's going to rise. And he talked about how he was a mo- just a monster uh, in the uh, in the uh, running game and was underrated as a pass protector. And I know you've been very outspoken in saying you think Jedrick Wills is a first-round pick. And certainly we've been hearing a lot of buzz that he was going to move on. And if he does, we certainly hope that's the case. And uh, I, I do think that uh, when, the, when they begin to really break him down and realize, you know, first of all, how smart he is, a great student, uh, you know, a class kid, but and, and when they really start studying his film, and and, and you've talked about his versatility, but uh, that he's going to go uh, shoot up the charts and be a guy that goes in that first round for Alabama. Yeah, I'll be shocked if he's not a you know a top twenty pick. Um, for for a lot of the same reasons that Jonah Williams was. I mean, you know, he yeah. could probably survive, survive at left tackle, but, you know, he can play the other four positions. He's never had a serious injury. He's extremely intelligent. And, you know, if you look at the body of his college career, you know, he, he's just – he makes everything look easy for somebody his size. He's just got, you know, off the chart, you know, feet talent long you know he's, he's got the weight you know he, he could you know play center guard right tackle for somebody in the elite level 
And, uh, you know, when they start looking at his tape and, and you know, with, with the lack of injuries that he's had, I mean, he's got still got a lot more football ahead of him. I'll be shocked if he's not a top 20 pick. And, um, you know, if that's the case, um, yeah, I would be shocked if he doesn't decide to move on. But, you know, well, one thing that Thomas was talking about that I was sitting there thinking, um, you know, let's just assume that Jedrick Wills decides to move on. But, you know, if, if Ruggs and Smith decide to come back with or without Tua, um, which I, I still think there's not a final decision been made there yet either, but that, that's going to be an extremely uh, experienced offense coming back. You know, you just have to replace one offensive lineman and Wills. Um, you know, you've got Trey Sanders coming back, you know, fully healthy at the running back position. Um the, the, those three wide receivers, um, and, and Ruggs and Smith and, and Waddle would be off the charts. Now, you know, if Tua decides to come back, it just goes up to another level. But you know, with a new defensive coordinator and, and some, you know, some some different insertions at different positions, you know, I think that defense will probably be better next year. Um, you know, it, that, that's going to be a, a formidable team, in my opinion, if some things fall in the right places and they can have better injury luck and, you know, get some better coordination and coaching on the defensive side of the football. And, you know, I, I certainly think that it would be great to start, um, you know, with, with a convincing win over Michigan in the Citrus Bowl. But the team that you see in 2020 is going to be a little bit different than what, what you see in that bowl game because there's so many missing pieces um, that aren't going to be available because of injuries. And, I mean, I, I think they've got a chance next year to be a very, very good football team and, and have a chance to, you know, contend for it all again if, if things fall in the right places. Yeah, no doubt. And I think we'll see a bigger role for Jalen Waddle, and people are really excited about that. Uh, you know, what he could do as a receiver with a bigger role. As we said, Henry Ruggs, if he could possibly return Devontae Smith. Uh, we'll, at tight end, you'll have Miller Forrestal back, but further development by Jaleel Billingsley. Yeah. And, uh, Billingsley. I didn't, a, I didn't mention him for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But I, I do think Billingsley has shown some potential later in the season and uh, with another offseason under his belt, maybe he can add another dimension to this offense, no doubt about it. And then, as you said, William, if, even if Jedrick Wills moves on, there's a lot of pieces left on that offensive line. I still think Landon Dickerson's going to return. Uh, he, the interior offensive linemen aren't as coveted, uh, you know. And another one we haven't really talked about, well, it's going to be, you know, where is Evan Neal going to go? If Jedrick Wills moves on, we would likely see him at right tackle, uh, and then that would open yep. the door. Uh, for either Emil Echior or perhaps for your guy, Darian Dalcourt, to come off that red shirt and be the center. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, if you just stuck a gun to my head right now and say fill in the blanks, I think you'd see Dalcourt go to center and Dickerson slide to left guard and, you know, Leatherwood, Dickerson, Dalcourt, Brown, right. and, and, and Neal at right tackle makes the most sense to me. But nobody's paying me you know, 750 grand to make that decision either. But however it works out, I mean, I think they've got the talent and the depth um, outside of a proven, you know, commodity behind Leatherwood at left tackle. Maybe the light finally comes on for Scott Lashley there. 
Um, but it, 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 there's a lot of things that I think, um, you know, could, could fall into place. And if it falls the right way, I mean, that, that could be a very, very formidable offense once again. Yeah, it really could, no doubt. And, uh, defensively, uh, they're going to have a lot of young talent. Uh, no question about that. And I'm anxious to see one of the signees compete in the spring. Uh, I have a really good contact who's a defensive back guru. He studied all of the uh, junior college, or at least most of them, the big-time kids, uh, because he's heavily involved in recruiting in Texas and Oklahoma. And Ronald Williams uh, from Hutchinson, Kansas, the junior college cornerback, committed to Alabama the other day, William. He's going to sign tomorrow and enroll early. He's very high on this kid, says he's probably the best junior college defensive back he evaluated. Uh, and he's an interesting story because he's a guy that walked on at Hutchinson, didn't have an offer, uh, and then uh, quickly earned a scholarship. And they thought he was going to be a wide receiver from Faraday, Louisiana. He ends up a corner. He's a first-team All-American now, chose Alabama over Kentucky, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, uh, you know, but uh, uh, I, I know his film is very impressive. He's, uh, you know, nearly six foot two. And we all know Nick Saban. If he's going to take an early enrollee junior college player, there's a corner spot wide open that Trevon Diggs is vacating. Uh, he's expecting this kid to come in and play. So going to be interested to see how he is when he's thrown into the mix this spring. And if Scooby Carter is back on this team, has a lot of talent. If he can finally adjust his attitude, that nickel spot's wide open, too. There's going to be some interesting competition. Oh, absolutely. I, that's probably going to be the, you know, the most talked about, you know, depending on how all this stuff plays out with early entries into the draft on, on the offensive side of the ball, um, that, that's going to be the most talked about, you know, thing in the offseason is, you know, new defensive coordinator, possibly a couple more, you know, new hires on that side of the ball. Um, you know, what direction do they go in? Um, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of young talent um, at all three levels of the, on the defensive side of the football and you know, how those guys get developed and coached, I think is going to be, you know, real interesting to follow. Um, probably going to be a real interesting spring practice. There's going to be a lot of jobs open. And, uh, you know, competition makes everybody better. And, and so, you know, you've got some guys that, you know, if, if, if King Matuka continues to develop, you know, and Chris Allen doesn't, um, you know, I think that could be an interesting battle. Um, you know, you, you got, you know, Jennings spot that's going to open up, you know, maybe those are your two guys on either side of the, the defensive line. Um, you know, you've got a guy that, that flashed at times and I thought played pretty, pretty darn solid, um, as a true freshman back there in the center of the defense and in the banks kid, or excuse me, battle, I'm sorry. Um, you know, and, and along the defensive line, you know, we still got to wait and see what the finished product looks like with Softshire and, and Ingraham. So, you know, there's still some new faces that came in out of the last year's recruiting class that I think could factor heavily into the 2020 depth chart. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and speaking of that, I mean, this 2020 recruiting class, I know we're winding down this episode of BAMS Radio, and that's what it's going to be about tomorrow. And I know uh, they Sports Illustrated has now delved into recruiting. Uh, John Garcia, good friend, he's been on this podcast. He's uh, He does a great job as a recruiting analyst. He's now their national director of recruiting in his new role. Big time congrats uh, to John Garcia. But 
Uh, they're naming their first high school All-American team. Big for Alabama to have the quarterback on that squad, Bryce Young. Uh, they did, they fell short of the state championship this year, won it a year ago. Uh, but Bryce had a, a great two-year run as starting quarterback at Modern Day. I know there's been some a little bit of nerves about him signing tomorrow, and there was some worry he would flip back to USC. I don't think there's any cause for concern there. I think he's going to be a, a you know a big part of this class going forward. And William, I, I know you've been uh, is uh, following as closely as anyone like myself. The game has changed. Alabama needing to be dynamic at the quarterback position, and it's always great to bring in a kid uh, like a Bryce Young and. He's a big, going to be a big part of this, and this, and honestly, I think this wide receiver group with Tyu Jones, Bell, uh, Treshawn Holden, they both visited officially this past weekend. Looks like they're locked in, uh, and then as far as uh, in the, at the wide receiver spots, uh, and then uh, we saw, we talked about Javon Baker. He's going to wait to sign in January, or excuse me, February, I should say. Uh, but if he gets his academics in order, I think he's going to be a part of the class. And then Raheem, potentially Raheem Jarrett. Uh, so uh, Alabama's going to, I think, sign a really good uh, wide receiver group, an elite quarterback. It, the only thing about this class that's kind of mystified me is the tight end because they've developed O.J. Howard, they developed Irv Smith, and they missed on Arik Gilbert. Uh, they kind of got backdoored. The, that's really the only position in this class that's kind of, uh, per, kind of uh, perplexed me. So we'll see what happens with Darnell Washington and J.J. Pegues. There's late word tonight that Alabama's been turning up the heat since yesterday on Pegues, so we'll see where that goes. But he's also a guy that might end up on the defensive line himself. He already weighing about 284 pounds. So, but that off, and, and it's going to be a small offensive line class, but they were heavy on OL and DL last year. So, uh, And I don't think this year's group, William, on the offensive line, as far as the talent, was as deep this season. No, and yeah, you know, I was just sitting there thinking when you were talking about the the, the Bryce Young saga. Um, I can remember five years ago, you know, that was the one, uh, you know, thing that kept Alabama fans, you know, maxed out was, you know, why can't we attract an elite quarterback? Why can't we attract an elite quarterback? And yeah, you know, I think in the last five years, um, let's see, Jalen Hurts just finished second in the Heisman. Um, you know, I think, you know, you, you can speculate and do whatever, but it's obvious that Tua Tungavailoa, whether he ever wins it or not, uh, would have been in New York had he not gotten injured and it's going to end up being a, a, you know, a very high draft pick, whether this year or next year. And, you know, now, now, uh, Bryce Young, I mean, that, that's a nice little run of quarterbacks over the last five years. Yeah, it really is. No question about it. And let me just say this too. The wide, the uh, excuse me, the offensive line group uh, that's going to be signed is uh, at least tomorrow is going to be uh, Seth McLaughlin from Buford, Georgia. William already talked about Javian Cohen, who they decided to flip from Auburn from Central Phoenix City. He's thought to be the best uh, offensive lineman, and what was a, not a strong group from this year from the state of Alabama, but he's still thought to be the best guy. As William said, probably a right tackle or an interior, you know, uh, prospect, but had a good week at the Alabama Mississippi All Star game. Uh, and then Damian George, the uh, the tackle, he's kind of a – he's a younger guy. I think he just turned 17. He's a project. But they were going to sign him from Houston, Texas, it sounds like. Uh, and then I still think uh, John Marion Latham is probably going to be an offensive guard going forward. 
He's really a big, strong kid. He'll, he'll get a look on the D-line, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up over there on the O-line. So I think overall, if they figure out tight end, uh, whether it's, uh, as we said, uh, Brand, Brendan, Fra- Brandon Frazier or, uh, or Darnell Washington or a guy like uh, J.J. Pegues, if, they, if you put it with the other pieces of this offensive class, it's going to be really strong. But the, the backbone of it is this linebacker group. We've already talked about it, uh, but it's as strong as any in the country. We talked about Jackson Bratton, Demoye Kennedy, William, very high on him, and then Will Anderson, who we both believe is a five-star talent. Quandarius Robinson, who I know Alabama's coaching staff is very high on. Chris Braswell, from uh, once another one from St. Francis Academy, a five-star a defensive end, uh, outside linebacker who is a very good player, uh, played against Price Young, sacked him in that game, had a forced fumble uh, when St. Francis played modern day. But the one that I'm the most intrigued about is this freak, Drew Sanders. He could be the tight end in the class, William. He's dynamic. God, I forgot all about I forgot all about him. But, but, uh, but I tell you what, William, his film on defense is so good. And quite frankly, the Oklahoma Sooners coaching staff is if they're all kind of uh, drinking themselves under a table because Alabama flipped their best uh, prospect, in my opinion, and Drew Sanders, and also is going to flip Jace McClellan. Drew Sanders is so quick, twitchy. They're playing in the state championship game this weekend as well uh, against Marshall, I believe. So, wow, I mean, but I've watched his tape, and you, you see him at tight end, and it's, it's amazing. But when you watch him rush the passer and you watch him on defense – He's pretty amazing to watch, and I know the coaching staff has compared him to the Bosa brothers, and we know how good those two guys are. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't even I don't even need to see any of Sanders' senior film. I saw enough from his junior uh, film. He, yeah, he's a freak. I can't believe I forgot about him. Um, you know that that, and I was sitting there listening to you rattle off all those names, and you know, call me crazy, but you know, LSU can have Philip Webb. I wouldn't trade Anderson or Sanders for him. Um, you know, and, and you know, Kennedy and Robinson and Bratton. I mean, that that's a really really huge haul. Um, you know, you know, Sanders and and uh, uh, you know, Anderson, like you said, both of them might outgrow the. Um, or at least one of them might outgrow the outside linebacker's position and become a full-time defensive end. But that that's that's scary. Um, they, they've never signed in my in recent memory two you know twitch quick twitch guys. And you know there's some other guys. I mean, you know, Braswell needs to add weight, obviously, but he, he's quick twitch as well and has good change of direction. But Sanders and Anderson, you know, just coming right out of high school and I agree with you the guy could be a superstar at tight end as well I'd just say add Brandon Frazier and, and keep him over there on defense but um Frazier at tight end I mean uh, but you know when you start running through those names I'm just sitting here thinking I mean um you know with what they're bringing in on offense and you know probably more um defensive tackle interior types in this class you, you don't really see a lot of true five technique defensive ends like you had in the last class um but it, it, it's going to be a really good haul and I'm, I'm sitting here about to slap myself for forgetting all about drew sanders good lord <laughs> yeah he he's probably the best player in the class there's no doubt but i just wanted to kind of go over it as we were wrapping up some of these in, and then 
William, if they're able to hold on to him, how, how big would it be to, to add Tim Smith? I, I like him a lot. I think he's very underrated. I, you know, I think he could uh, – I'm not trying to compare him as a player, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, he could end up being another guy kind of like a Deron Payne. You know, once they get him in and reshape his body, um, he's got a chance to be really, really nasty. I mean, that turned into a pretty heated recruiting battle with Florida, uh, you know, to try and get him out of that state. Um, but, if you know, if he signs on the dotted line and they can get him, I mean, he's easily the best interior defensive lineman that's, you know, going to potentially be on board up to this point. Um, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. I remember, you know, when he first kind of popped up on the scene, a lot of people were, you know, bitching about his weight. And, you know, didn't, thought, he was kind of, thought he was kind of a slug. But, you know, he's got great change of direction for somebody his size. You know, already peeled a little bit of the bad weight off his senior year, but you know he's a guy that if they can get down into the, you know, three fifteen uh, range and, and and reshape his body a little bit and, and you know get some you know some good defensive line coaching, um, you know I, I think the sky's the limit for him. Well, and I think too the secondary group is is pretty solid. Malachi Moore from Hewitt Trustville has been uh, committed for a long time. He could be a safety or a corner, kind of a nickel kid. Uh, no doubt, Jacquez Robinson is going to. It sounds like he's the young man that's going to uh, going to participate in bowl practices shortly after signing. He's a very intelligent corner, got good size, has a chance to be a good player. Christian's story is very intriguing. I think he's probably going to be Mister Football in the state of Alabama. He led his Lynette team to a one A state championship, uh, the second of his career. Uh, he threw for like two hundred and fifty plus yards and a couple of TDs. He rushed for over a hundred and a couple of touchdowns. Had nine tackles and a, a, a clinching interception and a fumble recovery, and I guess sold popcorn at halftime. He did everything. Uh, it's interesting, William, in the Alabama Mississippi game, he played running back. We we don't we do not believe he'll do that at Alabama. Probably going to be a safety. Could bulk up into a linebacker, but a coach's kid who's very intelligent. He's one of the underrated, uh, you know, kids in this class. I think he originally committed to Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee, so. I trust Jeremy Pruitt's evaluation, so I'm anxious to see kind of how that kid develops. Yeah, no, I was just, you know, thinking about the defensive back class as well. I mean, um, you know, a year ago, nobody even knew who the JUCO was. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of guys back there, you know, to go along with the the monster DB class that they brought in last year. I mean, there's going to be a lot of depth. you know, they've, they've restocked the depth at the linebacker group. I think they were kind of selective, um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, along the offensive line. I think they like McLaughlin, you know, as a center guard prospect. You know, we'll see where, uh, you know, Cohen ends up, uh, you know, long term. And, you know, they got the, they got the quarterback. You know, really, I, I think to me, um, Drew, I know we've talked about it ad nauseum up to this point, but man, getting one of those tight end guys, whichever one it is, um, you know, I think is probably the biggest priority to finish this class out just because they need a, um, you know, kind of a dynamic guy, you know, somebody that can be a, uh, you know, a three down tight end form eventually. Um, you know, much in the same way that OJ Howard ended up being by his last year and, and Irv Smith as well. But that, that to me is, is the biggest priority, um, is to get a, you know, kind of a, a game changer 
um, you know, at the tight end position. I think that's what, you know, really all that that offense is lacking. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, it's a, I, I do, I think that the tight end is that, that along with, uh, the additional pieces of the defensive line, as we said, uh, and, and one more wide receiver. But yeah, the tight end is probably the biggest piece. Maybe they add it tomorrow. Maybe they shock the world. Uh, Darnell Washington, though he's not going to announce supposedly, uh, allegedly until January the 2nd. Uh, J.J. Pegues, Alabama, uh, making a push for, so we'll see what happens there. And in the secondary, William, before we go sign off, I really like Brian Branch. I love his uh, ball skills, uh, the way he can track it. He's also a great receiver, uh, you know, uh, in a place really at a school that's that's been known as kind of a, uh, a Georgia stronghold. Alabama gets on him early and uh, holds on to him out of Tyrone, Georgia, Sandy Creek High School. I'm really excited about Brian Branch. I think he could even play early at safety if he, uh, you know, catches on to the playbook just because he just has a – he's just a magnet for the football, kind of like Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, I'm not going to say he's Minka. Never seen another one. Uh, But I think that that young man is being underrated in this process. I know my guy in Oklahoma and Texas is very high on Brian Branch. Oklahoma thought they were going to get him too. Alabama swooped in there. So uh, Alabama's kind of been Oklahoma's boon uh, in this recruiting cycle. But uh, really excited about the potential of this class. I still think if everything fell just right for Alabama, even without Phillip Webb, they could be the number one class in the country. We'll see what happens uh, tomorrow as uh, things start up. And um, and we'll come to you next week, and we'll give you our thoughts on the, the, the young men that have now would have signed with Alabama. I'll have some more basketball thoughts because – I'll have a chance to cover the Crimson Tide as they come for the Rocket City Classic uh, in uh, Huntsville, Alabama this coming Saturday. They're going to take on the Belmont Bruins. They let one get away from them in State College. Uh, disappointing road trip. Their first, their second one uh, since their first true road test where they uh, got soundly whipped at Rhode Island. This time, if they could have made some interior shots and some free throws, uh, I think they would have stolen that game on the road from a really good Penn State team. Couldn't quite get it done. They fall 73-71. Uh, but they're going to be back at it uh, tomorrow in Birmingham at Legacy Arena. They're going to take on Samford. Uh, and uh, we're going to monitor that game and then uh, have uh, some thoughts from the Rocket City Classic in Huntsville on Saturday. So we'll wrap that up and uh, the early signing period for the University of Alabama next week. And we'll continue to monitor bowl preparation for Alabama's January the 1st battle with uh, Michigan and the Citrus Bowl. But for William Redfish Barger, uh, for Thomas Watts, we want to thank everybody for listening at this, to this pre-signing day edition. Alabama right now with 25 commitments. How many will sign tomorrow? We'll continue to keep you updated and find out. But thank you for listening to BAMS Radio as always. Good night and roll tide.